Happy Monday morning, everybody. Welcome to episode 442 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm your host, Canada. I'm coming down with a little bit of a cold, but that's not going to stop me from doing a little pinball podcast for all of you today. I hope you enjoyed the NFL football playoff weekend. I don't know about you, but pinball's fun, but watching a team like the Tennessee Titans run train on the Baltimore Ravens was awesome. A lot of good games, a lot of good upsets. Amazing comeback by the Chiefs, by the way. But you don't listen to this podcast for football. You listen because of pinball. So right now, right now, we are in a little bit of a holding period with pinball. And by that, I mean we're waiting for two big things to happen. I think everyone is waiting to see the projector in Stranger Things. And I think we're going to see it this week from uh, Mr. Jack Danger. We could see it as early as tonight. So that's coming. And we're waiting to see Rick and Morty pinball being played. So those two things are the biggest question marks, sort of overriding the entire hobby right now. And it's exciting to to wait to see what these two things are going to be. And I just want to say for the record, I think a lot of people sometimes think that I'm, you know, I'm not against any game until I see it. I'm not against calling a conclusion on a game until I am given all of the necessary information and assets I need to make up my mind on a machine. So for a lot of you out there, Stranger Things, a lot of your decision making hinges on if you see this projector work effectively or not. Right? I know Zach Sharp uh, did a little, uh, gave a comment to someone and said, we're still working on the content of the projector. And then he said, comma, just wait. Like, Really, is it, is it a little late for that kind of hyperbole and just wait? Well, why do we have to wait when you come out of the gates beating the chest of how awesome this thing is going to be, how innovative? Just show it to us. You know, I've been in a big debate all weekend back and forth with my good friend Ed Robertson about this stuff. And he's like, Chris, you're missing the boat on pinball. The big thing on pinball is code is what makes games great. And he's right but he's also wrong. Code is half of the piece of the puzzle, absolutely. But it's also the mechanical magic in these games. And the best games do both. The best games deliver a game that has very satisfying shots, has very satisfying things to shoot, but also has code that brings that theme to life, that makes the game immersive, that makes the game enjoyable. I mean, code controls everything physically, controls all the lights, controls everything, controls the journey. And so I think we look for a mixture of both of those things. I don't think it's a one or the other. I really don't. And so, you know, when we look at Stranger Things, I think the big question mark, it's, it's the code is still a question mark. The technology is still a question mark. The shot layout is not a question mark. We know what it is. And look, when, when you hear people play the game, I, I think the game shoots fine. I think it's fun to shoot. Uh, but we're going to see this week. And there's going to be a lot more to talk about it. I mean, I, I, I heard you know, from my friend that this would be a game in which I was going to have a field day with. And I think we've had a field day of conversation with Stranger Things. So I just hope to see more of this game this week and we can make up our mind on whether or not we think this game is living up to the hype of Stranger Things and Brian Eddy's comeback. All right. So Rick and Morty, uh, when are we going to see it? When are we going to see it played? I am going to talk to Scott Denisi hopefully this week. But I told Scott this. I said, Scott, look, I only want to have you come on after we see some gameplay footage. And the reason why is Scott has done a good job talking to a lot of other shows about this game. So there's nothing new that we're going to get out of Scott Denisi right now. 
He's been on, I want to say, Slap Save Pinball Podcast. He's done Spooky's podcast. He did the super awesome pinball show with Christopher Franchi. So, you know, there's. I don't need to talk again <laughs> to Scott Denisi. I want to talk to him when we see this game in action, and I think that's a good time to have him on the show. So I look forward to Scott joining the show when that does occur. All right. Now, if you haven't, if you're in on Rick and Morty or you're just curious to see what's going to be going on in this game, I would definitely go listen to the last Slap Save Pinball podcast. They interview Bowen Karens about Rick and Morty. Now, I'll summarize for you the main parts of that interview, but I just want to say this is, again, another terrific interview with a pinball personality, another shameful moment that Slap Save is not on the top 10 Twippy voting ballot for best pinball podcast. Uh, they definitely deserve to be on there. And so Bowen Karens is doing the rules of this game. Now, Bowen is a very, very smart man. He's from Stanford. He's a mathematician. But what I love about Bowen is I love the fact that he's not only the seventh best pinball player, best, best, I have a cold, remember. He's the seventh best pinball player in the world, but he also understands how to make a game enjoyable and fun. And I've always said this. One of the biggest issues I have sometimes with a lot of the feedback from tournament players and this and that on on, on modern pinball is that they don't really care about the enjoyment factor. What they really care about is understanding the rules to get to high score. And if that's your agenda and you just want to know how to beat a game and, and be successful in a tournament, that's not necessarily what the majority of people who buy pinball machines are looking for when they want to put them in their home. And I think Bowen, I think he understands both. And I think I think when you look at the best people in pinball, the Lyman Sheets, the Bowen Karens, I think they understand how to make an experience that serves both the diehard tournament guys, but also the home buyers and collectors. And even and even most importantly, and we always forget this, the most important audience to make a pinball machine enjoyable to, it's the casual player, right? You need to make a pinball machine fun for anyone who walks up to it. And, and, and as we look at some of these modern games, right? You can easily, you can easily start to see how some of these games are just so complex that there's nothing enjoyable for the casual player to just walk up to because they, they're so confused about what to do with the machine. All right, so here are the key takeaways from Rick and Morty Pinball if you listen to that great interview. So Bowen likes a game that tells a story and where you play as somebody. Now, I, I, I agree. I've always said this. So he gave the example of Spider-Man where when you play Spider-Man, you are Spider-Man. So you know that as the player, you're Spidey. Same way in Batman and Robin. You're Batman and Robin. you got to jail the villains. Now, in other games, games like Stranger Things, for example, who are you in Stranger Things, right? Who are you playing as? Like, who are you on the journey as? Same thing with Willy Wonka. Who are you in Willy Wonka? You're nobody, right? You're, you're sort of like observing the story from a distance, but you're not a specific person from that universe. And, and, and I think that's an important point because I do think it makes it sort of confusing what you're on a mission to do if you don't really know who you are as the player, right? Imagine video games. Imagine video games in which you're unclear of who your character is in this world. I don't think there's ever been a video game in which you don't know who you are as the player. 
but yet there are many pinball machines that don't really clearly identify who you are. And I, I think as you look at pinball, to me, I agree with Bowen, it's always more fun when you're aware of who you are um, in the pinball universe. But there are exceptions to that rule, I will say that. There are exceptions, like Lord of the Rings, one of the greatest pinball machines ever. Uh, I don't, you're not anyone really in Lord of the Rings. You're like an additional fellowship member that's on the journey with them, but you're not like Frodo, right? You're, you're not Aragorn. You're, you're just, you're, you're on the journey with them, but you're not any of those characters. Okay, so let's, let's, let's keep going here. So in Rick and Morty, in this game where you're on a journey, you play as Morty. So you are Morty the character, and it's your job to fill out your adventure card. So if you know the series or if you don't know the series, the way it works is Rick takes Morty on all these adventures. And Morty always wants to go on his own adventures. And Rick is like, look, um, no, we're not doing it. And, and Morty is like, well, what if I go through three or five adventures? He's like, nope. Uh, he's like, what about 10? He's like, all right, fine. So after 10 adventures, then Morty gets to choose their next adventure. And so there's a Morty adventure card on the game in which you can see 10 Morty adventures. And your goal is to fill out all of those adventures. And once you do, then you get to select your adventure. Now, if, if the other thing, and I'll, I'll start with this, is at the end of the interview, Bowen says the game is really hard. It's going to kick your ass like TNA, which is music to some people's ears. Some people, if you don't like short ball time games, you might get frustrated with Rick and Morty. But I was thinking like, if this game is really hard and kicks your ass and you have to go on 10 adventures to then choose, that's going to be really hard to finish 10 adventures if the game is brutal, right? So I think they're going to code the game, and he said this, in which when you start each game, your adventure card will, will already have some adventures already filled out. So you don't have to go through all 10 to get to the point where you can select them um, in the game yourself. Uh, something else that I just love it when I hear Bowen talk about this. So he talks about understandable complexity in pinball. And a game can't be too hard, but it also can't be too easy. But he talks a lot about how in new games, he, consider them, he considers them to be too complex. And he gives Star Wars as an example of a game in which there's a lot to do in Star Wars. But the more you pull back the layers and try to understand the way the game is coded the more you realize it's confusing and it gets overly complex. Now, there's an irony in that complexity where you then learn throughout all that complexity, here's the actual path you need to take to get the highest score. And then even though there's a lot in the game, you end up playing the game just the same way over and over again because that within the complex code is the shortcut to getting a high score. And, and he's like, that's not the way it should be. Like stuff shouldn't be so complex. Stuff should be better balanced in scoring so that you can, you can enjoy the entire game in the order that you want and still get to a good score and a competitive score without, without having to do the same thing over and over again. And, and I, I agree with that. I love that he, he approaches pinball uh, this way. And the, the one thing, and, and I've said this before, the one thing that he hates and wants to get rid of in pinball are playfield multipliers. And, and we talk about that a lot on this show is when we start talking about multipliers and this and that, I think we, you've lost it, right? A game like Rick and Morty, it should all be about trying to get through as many adventures as you can and trying to accomplish the things from the show itself and, you know, and, 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 and getting through the, the, the game we love, the storyline we love. It shouldn't be about, 
oh, yeah, you, you might have done all that, but that guy got a 40-time play field multiplier because he knew how to do that and activate it. And, and even though he did, like, he got through the journey, like, a third as much as you did, he scored, like, 20 times more than you did because of one stupid multiplier for playfield scoring, right? And I, I'm glad. Because imagine if you just get rid of all of that. It, it just becomes about what you actually did in the game and your actual progress in the game, not your ability to understand, you know, how to unlock some stupid multiplying in the, in the game coding. All right. So I love all that stuff. So something else that he talked about that's really interesting is how the game has different dimensions. Now, dimensions are different than adventures. So adventures are like the journeys they go on. The dimensions, if you've seen the show, there's like infinite numbers of dimensions in which there's like infinite numbers of Rick and Mortys. Imagine, it's, think about it like this, just parallel universes. There's a parallel universe in which Canada's Pinball Podcast isn't booed at the Twippies, right? In this universe, we were booed last year. So in a parallel universe, everyone's a fan of the show. In a, in a, you know, in, in a different dimension, Everyone loves Black Knight LE. In a different dimension, Jack doesn't stop making Pirates of the Caribbean at the height of its popularity, okay? So you see what I'm saying? Like, it's like, imagine today's world, but a different dimension of it. So what's really cool about this game is when they go into different dimensions or the game changes dimensions, things will happen in the game that uh, are indicative of the new dimension. So for example, you might have a dimension in which the flippers change, they change from left to right. So they reverse order the flippers. You might have, he, he was joking, but he said, you know, there might be a dimension in which you're in the TNA dimension and in that dimension, there's no ramps. So the ramps have no scoring. There's going to be a dimension maybe where the pop bumper just turns off on the left sling. So this is, you know, so it's really cool. And you start to think about adding up these different dimensions with adding in the adventures and adding in the humor. And I think this game, I don't know, when I hear him talk about it, I hear him talk about this game, I, I don't know how you don't get more and more excited when you hear the people involved with this game discuss what's happening with Rick and Morty Pinball. You know, someone used the greatest analogy on Pinside and about the two threads, about Stranger Things and Rick and Morty. They said, when you go into the Rick and Morty thread, it feels like you're in the locker room of the team that won the championship. And when you go into the Stranger Things thread, it feels like you're in the locker room of the team that lost the championship. And it definitely feels like when it comes to like the vibe and the energy and the enthusiasm surrounding these two titles, it's pretty clear that you've got one camp of people that are super excited and the other camp of people I think are just more like anxious. They're making some excuses. And they're not really, they, I think if they're being honest, they're not really as satisfied as they want it to be, considering this is like Brian Eddy's 20-year return to pinball, and it's Stranger Things, and it's, you know, I, I just don't see it. I don't think they see the creativity level in the machine. I don't think they see anything that original in it. You know, as I say that, like, yes, the projector's original, but we haven't seen it work. But in terms of layout, right, there's just not that original layout. And I think what's hard for, for Stranger Things is just people saw such an original layout with Jurassic Park. And Jurassic Park, if you're a Stern buyer, a lot of people got that game. And I think a lot of people love that game. And Jurassic Park is a kind of pinball masterpiece. And so it's like, it just feels like Jurassic Park took people maybe one or two steps forward with what they could get from Stern Pinball. 
And I think Stranger Things does feel like a little bit of a step back. Now, we're, we're, look, the jury is still out. We have to see the way this projector works because, you know, I think everything hinges on how they can implement this projector and if it's going to work well for most people. But it's not even about that. It's just about the mood of the two fan bases couldn't be radically different. And so let me answer the question because people have been like saying this, like, Kaneda, you're the biggest hypocrite. You bought a game without without playing it. And that is my rule number one is like you should play a pinball machine before you bought it. Uh, and and I know, I know I, I broke my own advice on Rick and Morty, but but just put yourself in my shoes. I wanted to get a Rick and Morty pinball machine when they announced it. I didn't know the show, but I started binge watching it and I loved it. Now, I also knew one thing. And again, don't don't forget, you know, the fact that like you can, if you get a game and you get a decent number of a Rick and Morty game, are you really ever going to lose out? Are, are you really ever going to lose any money? And are you going to lose any enjoyment? Because I, I definitely, I've, I've heard, I've heard nothing but good things from people on TNA. And people swear by Scott Denisi. I mean, they swear by the guy. And so my thought process was, was this. They're only making 750. Okay, so Canada always loves rare games that, that are not like, you know, mask produced. Canada loves an experience and a journey and a world under glass and a storyline driven game and a mode based game. Scott Denise is making that with this, with Bone Karens and the coder. All right. Now, I love great artwork in pinball. I would argue that this isn't the best artwork in pinball. I'm not going to lie. I, I don't think this art package blows anybody away, but it fits the style of the show, if that makes sense. Um, but look, I'm, I'm, I've got no pinball machine. And if I'm looking, and just ask yourself this, if I'm looking at the landscape of pinball right now, and I want to put a machine in my apartment in the next couple months, and I have the ability to put a Rick and Morty machine in my apartment in the next few months, or I have the ability to buy what Stern has available right now, and the games that are available right now, for me, it was a no-brainer. I wasn't going to be Willy Wonka, and I just want to give Rick and Morty a run. And look, it, I don't think that's hypocritical. And I think if you were in my shoes and you were able to get an early number Rick and Morty like I was able to get, that I think you would have done the same thing. And, and I'll clarify, too, how I got it. I, I simply called up Charlie a few weeks prior or, or a week prior. Whenever I heard the announcements, I love to get one of these. I call me when they go on sale. I called them when they went on sale, and they gave me a great number. I called them right when they went on sale. And I saw some people were complaining about that, like, I didn't know you could call. Well, no one said you couldn't call. Nobody said you couldn't call. And so I'm happy that they gave me the number I got. I'll reveal it to you when I get it. I don't want to like get everyone. Everyone's going to get, you know, these numbers, they make people so upset. You know, they get so mad and like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to fan those flames. I want people to be excited that they got a game. I want everyone to be excited who's on that list you're getting. I think you're going to get a very special game. And the, look, we'll see. The verdict's still out. Like, you know me, you know my podcast. If this game flips and it's so freaking brutal and it's too hard and it's not fun, like what... I will call it like it is, even if I have one on order. I will. I, I'm not going to shill a game just because I, I'm in on one right now. And you know me. I mean, I've been in on games before. I wrote a check for Willy Wonka, and and I will I will change my tune if I think it's not living up to uh, what we expected in the game. All right. All right. So let's 
Let's move on. Again, I'm feeling a little sick, people. I shouldn't be doing a podcast. I should be in bed sleeping right now. But anyway, a few more news items that I want to give you guys because we were talking too much about Rick and Morty and Stranger Things. Um, One news item I'm hearing is that Chicago Gaming Company will not be bringing Cactus Canyon to TPF. In fact, I'm hearing Cactus Canyon might even be delayed until end of the year, if not next year. And there's an issue with making Cactus Canyon Remake. And that means that Chicago Gaming Company might be bringing their original new game to uh, out this year in front of Cactus Canyon. But I still think nothing new from CGC will happen at Texas Pinball Festival. So that is what I'm hearing from CGC. Um, another new item that's pretty interesting that, again, gets me thinking about this title is there is a humongous code update for Alien Pinball. So all like 120 of you, whoever, how many there are, Alien Pinball code update has been done by a fan who owns the machine. Now, but here's the interesting part about this. So this guy did a humongous code update, and it's on Pinside. I'm not going to read what the code updates are. But the curious part about this is he doesn't just release the code update. Now, He does something that I think, again, speaks to what I've been saying. He gets permission from Pinball Brothers, who he said were going back and forth on whether or not they wanted to allow him to release it. They finally gave him permission. He asked permission from Pinball Brothers to release a code update of a highway pinball game that he bought. Why did he do that? Why does Pinball Brothers need to give permission to release a code update on Alien, unless Pinball Brothers are still planning to do something with Alien Pinball. Now, this did not come true in 2019, and there was a lot of people saying it was definitely coming out. I'm also hearing, you know, it's going to be at TPF, but I don't know. You know, I heard at the beginning of December that these games were in route, 20 games were in route to to the United States, and they were going to be on location by the end of the year, that didn't happen. There's no pictures of these games being made. There's no there's no manufacturing facility that we know about. We have no idea what Pinball Brothers is doing with Alien. But the rumors continue to be strong that this game will not be dead forever. And so if I were you and you want to get an Alien machine, I would not buy one of these for sale right now. There's one for like 16600 bucks with spare parts, I just wouldn't go near it. I would just wait and see. Because you know that games will always come up for sale, but if if a re, reimagined version of this game happens, a remake of it with better parts and, and better cabinets, no one's gonna want the older ones. So I, I would just wait. And then if it doesn't happen, then fine. Now look, it's a speculative game. It's like Pirates of the Caribbean right now. I mean, now that Jersey Jack has come out and said they're basically not making any more pirates, look at look at the prices of pirates now. I mean, I'm kind of kicking myself I didn't keep that CE I bought for like 16000 because I think like the Ellie's now are going to start going for like 12, 13, 14, and the CE's are even going for more. Um, but that's just the reality, right? Because I, I think what's happening is exactly what I said Jersey Jacks should do. I mean, only make a limited number of games and your Jersey Jack machines are worth a fortune. And I, and I know, like I, I said that on my last show, is I just think Jersey Jack's playing his game all wrong. And, and I, I definitely agree with that. I, I just don't think Jack should be making games at scale. 
I think Jack should be making games to be high-end pinball machines. It's too late. They've built a big factory. I get he has huge themes coming out that he expects to sell at volume at $9,000. But every time I put a Jersey Jack machine next to a Stern machine and they're both $9,000, it's just, it's just comical to me that Jack is pricing these games so low. And his games are exactly what, you know, it's like, it's like, why? When you see what people are doing on the secondhand market, like make that the firsthand market. I mean, that's what Stern's done very successfully is they've, they've factored in almost like what these games would flip for into the regular price now. Like a $9,000 Stern LE, you know, remember Stern LEs used to be like, what, like 60, like 7,500, like 7,000, like what, what was Tron LE, like 6,500? You know, they, they're, they're pretty smart what they've done. They've, they've done it over the years and they've done it subtly, but when you add it all up, you guys are all now paying a lot more for these games, and it is what it is. I mean, we beat a dead horse on this topic, but you know, I just think when you put a Jersey Jack machine next to a Stern machine, does it not look twice as expensive? It does, but yet it's not priced twice as much. Anyway, this this debate will never be settled. It's a subjective thing, value. You know, unless you put all the parts and what they cost and on a piece of paper, and we can actually see the physical bomb that goes into each game you know how do we know but it is what it is it is what it is never going to change all right what else is going on in pinball new alien code oh something i forgot to mention in rick and morty was uh they've got something that's really awesome they're they're going to be able to do time released code updates which basically means this if a new season of rick and morty comes out season five let's say the, the spooky pinball has permission to then put elements of new seasons into the game itself. Now we 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 constantly hear this that you know why didn't Game of Thrones ever add in new content? Like Stranger Things is only season 1 and 2. Like what about season 3? Guardians of the Galaxy didn't have the second movie. This is like the first time ever I've seen a pinball machine come out in which they've told us that they're going to put future content into the game. That's another reason why I want the game. I just I just we we've always been told it's not happening. Well, it's happening. And I think it's something that everyone would want in a game like this. All right. What else is going on in pinball? Anything? Anything? So I got my credentials to go down to Deep Root Pinball. Got a very, very nice email. Very nice email. I mean, they called Brenda Lovely. When you call Brenda Lovely, you, you, it's, it's, that email is going to go over very well in this household. And I forwarded it to her and she was like, oh, shucks, you know? That's what's happening. I also saw that DeepRoot, for some of the Zidware customers who got burned, DeepRoot is paying for airfare and accommodations for someone. Uh, you know, so look, this this March is going to be tough for me. I got I, I got to just be transparent because I'm going to Ireland for a wedding about a week or so before TPF, and then I've got this DeepRoot thing in the middle of the week. And I have to be honest with you. I have to be honest with you. If if there's one thing. And Deep Root is like five hours from TPF. Like the, the five hours is, just, it's not just around the block, right? I have to be completely transparent. If I'm looking at TPF, right, what's going to happen there? What's going to be new? What are we going to see? Uh, do I think we're going to see Guns N' Roses from Jersey Jack at TPF? I, I don't, right? I think we're going to see Hot Wheels from American Pinball. 
uh, Stern Pinball, I think we're going to see Ninja Turtles. But in typical Stern Pinball fashion, I bet we see Ninja Turtles after TPF. They always do this. They, they never bring it to the show. So I think we're going to see Ninja Turtles after. And then I'm just like, I don't think we're going to see anything from Chicago Gaming Company. And if I just have to pick my days, uh, the thing that I'm most curious to go see is Deep Root Pinball. And I, and I want to spend the day there seeing everything seeing what they're going to show us, the games, talk to the engineers, do interviews. That's the most enticing thing to me. And I don't know if I can do everything. And people are like, well, you can't miss the Twippies. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, last year I was booed at the Twippies. It's great seeing everybody, but I just have no idea. You know, I have no idea. Like, and it's a lot of days because the deeper thing starts Wednesday morning, which means I'd have to fly out Tuesday. But I, I don't want to be in Texas like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, six days in Texas for pinball. And I'm just in Ireland for like 10, 11 days. So that's what I'm struggling with right now. I somehow wish they could have like combined all these things and whatnot, but it, it is what it is. But, you know, I'm going to be totally transparent. Like I'm more excited to, to see what Deep Root has cooking uh, than to you know go to a show in which I'm not sure how much we're really going to see. And that's why I wish these shows would confirm if there's going to be new titles, like let us know. Because for a lot of us, you know, you pay airfare, you have to make tough decisions on whether or not you go to these things. I also heard my boys, Ken and Bill from Special One Lit, they won't be going to TPF this year, so I was bummed out about that. Man, I've also been hearing like, man, some other podcast been talking about like Special One Lit. I... I I saw people like complaining about Ken saying that Stranger Things was his dream thing. And like, I mean, really, like, are, are we really complaining that 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 Ken considers Stranger Things to be a dream theme? Like, and then, you know, also on the same show, they're, they're, they're talking about me and all this stuff and how I need to shut up about Stranger Things and whatnot. You know, it's funny to me. It's like, you know, when we talk on this show, we, you know, you listen to the show. And I think sometimes people are like, they like to imagine that I, I personally attack people on Canada's Pinball Podcast. Maybe we did that years ago when we were a little bit more direct, but I'm not going after other podcasts. I'm, I'm not going after other podcasters, but you know, I, I when I listen to other shows, I definitely hear my name coming up time and time again, and I get it. Like It gives people content. You know, They listen to the show, and then they have stuff to talk about on, on, on their shows, or, or, or we, we give them a target of, of, of stuff to say. But, you know, look, Ken is the nicest guy. I mean, I, come on, really? Some people get on the drop-down menu, and, and all of a sudden they start to think they're one of the big pinball podcasts out there. But, you know, I, I just think people need to stick to their last and, and do what they do best. But, man, it, you don't need to, like, attack other podcasters and, and what we're saying, you know. And, and especially, like, around something like Stranger Things, because it's like, dude, nobody's seen it work well. Nobody, nobody. Nobody has seen anything in action. Nobody knows how great it is. So, you know, it's, it's, I, I think this podcast has taken a stance that we're just skeptical that Stern would come out of the gates hyping something so much and then not show it. Like it's, and then asking for people's money, right? I, I, I don't. I don't have faith that it's just going to work amazingly well. Now give me your $9,000. Like, I, I don't. Because when Brian Eddy rocks into a special one that's streaming, why wouldn't he rock in with like the best of the best version? That's that's I'm just skeptical. And then if the content's not ready, as Zach Sharp says, then why did you release it when you did? 
if the content wasn't ready? Why did you do that? And this is the argument I have all the time with people about Stern. It's not that they don't make great games. It's that they make games, they release them before they're even finished. And then it's like, as a pinball person who wants to review stuff, I don't know when I'm allowed to review a Stern product. You know, it's like someone's like, Guardians of the Galaxy is great now. This game is great now. And it's like, well, when is now? Like, when, when is the period in which I'm allowed to say, okay, now I can review Stranger Things. Now it has enough code in it. Now it's got the technology figured out. Now they've got enough content from, you know, the, 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 the show's creators. You know, it's, 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 it's like, again, it's like releasing a movie and it's not finished. But then you invite people to go see it. And then you're like, well, you're not allowed to say how you feel about it because, you know, it's, it's not done. But then why did you let me see it? And the answer is, like I said in my last show, they just want to keep the line moving. So they care more about the line moving than they do about releasing a game when it's ready. Because when you release a game like this when it's not ready, when you bring technology like this to CES when it's not working right, you just look, you look stupid. You look stupid. It looks like amateur hour. It looks, it, at this point, Stern Pinball is smart enough to know that you don't bring, Gary Stern asking people to shut off their phones at CES, one of the dumbest marketing moves in the history of pinball, it, without a doubt. He, how embarrassing were all those videos of, of him asking people not to stream it? It's like, it's like, do you not know what CES is? Now, look, again, this doesn't mean that the game's not going to work well in the right environment. But, but again, like it was just so stupid to bring these games to CES and they don't work well in that environment. Like, why did you do it, Zach Sharp? Like, what benefit did you get from that? And then the people that are watching this video are all like, what the hell? Right? That's it. Just make common sense, right? I have my common sense show. Common sense. Like, that is so dumb. Again, it'd be like bringing... Uh, you know, it, it's, like, you, you, it's like bringing a rally car to a quarter mile strip to show people what it can do. It's stupid. All I have is car analogies. I don't know. There's not really any other analogies in the world. All right, everybody, look. This is going to be a week in which we see the projector. Answers, our questions will be answered. My big question is how, how are they going to project onto those ramps? See, the ramps to me are the big issue. Like if you look at the angle of the ramps, how is a projector going to look good at like that 30 degree angle? And, and again, like those big white strips on those ramps, just they do, they look bad. So if, if all you're going to do is project like arrows on them, I don't know. I need to see this thing. I'm going to stop talking about it. We're going to see it this week. I, it, what sucks is we're going to have to do more shows about Stranger Things. How many shows about a game do we need to do before we're given enough information to make up our minds on the game. The sad part is, is so many of you have already made up your minds and went in on LEs and you don't even know. You don't even know. See, there, if I look at Rick and Morty, there's nothing in that game that's a mystery to me right now, right? It's all there. There's no projector that's gonna have projection mapping. That's a big part of the game that, I, that I'm not sure if it's gonna work or not. I'm pretty sure everything that's in that Rick and Morty game, I see it, I can see how it's gonna work, and it looks like a lot of fun. Stranger Things, complete opposite takeaway. We know it's going in there. We don't know how it works. And we're not sure if it's going to be fun or not. That's, that's the tale of these two launches. And it's the reason why the Rick and Morty 
locker room and the thread, they sound like they won the championship. And the Stranger Things locker room and that thread, the, everyone in there just like seems deflated and, and is just has no enthusiasm. Everyone, have a great day. This has been episode, let's see, 442 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. Now, before I go, if you haven't voted in the Twippies, there's two more weeks left to do your voting in the Twippies. So hopefully we have your vote. If not, you've got two more weeks. We haven't really asked for your votes. We're not campaigning, but I just want to remind you because I told Jeff, you don't even tell people when the voting ends. It's like really weird that this committee just can't do the obvious stuff. Come on, guys. Just tell people when voting ends. Have a countdown clock. At least Deep Root has a countdown clock until when we get to see what's happening at Deep Root. Everyone, have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Jump, jump.